So they have these different art buyers that are trying to find products for their section of the store. And then they move them every six months to a year. So these art buyers and art directors and licensing agents, they get moved around. So your contact may go, it it may be cold or stale or they may move. So that's why I normally start with a, hey, are you the right person? Is because oftentimes the contact information that I have is either generic or old. Do you want to learn how to make money as an artist without selling out? Hey, I'm Erin Sparler, and each week, my guests and I share the secrets for turning your art into income. If you're ready to start making money with your art, visit theartistappeals.com forward slash go. If you don't know me, I'm Erin, Erin Sparler, and... uh, Yeah, today I'm going to present about pitching. So why am I presenting about pitching? Well, pitching is something that we don't really learn in art school. So I used to be a college professor. I taught for 12 years. In fact, I taught over 220 different digital art classes. I mean, I taught four semesters a year, four classes a semester for a total of 16 classes a year. It was insane. Everything from art history to Photoshop to Illustrator to web design to videography. If, if it was art related, I taught it. So I know from being a teacher, it's not, you know, really that we want to miss out on the important things. We want to give students the most important things. But by the time you teach art history, drawing and illustration, Photoshop, Illustrator, web design, uh, you know, color theory, portfolio development, boom, you're done, right? You get one elective, you got to take your core requirements. So there really isn't time to teach marketing and sales. Sucks, but it's the way it is, right? So we've got to kind of learn it after the fact. So it's become my personal mission to share the business of art with you guys. Hence the podcast where I interview people about the business of art, over 60 different interviews, in season six now, or 10,000 downloads. And I started it because of designing these little guys and learning how to retail them to the toy market. So I licensed these guys to a bigger company, and I'm now the assistant licensing agent to Out of Blue Art Licensing. So that's kind of my background a little bit in a less than two-second overview, two-minute overview. So what they don't teach you in art school is marketing. So I want to kind of rectify that with the podcast, with the book, with the presentations. No marketing. Marketing is essentially sales, right? And if you don't have marketing, you don't have sales. So that kind of sucks. So what is pitching? Let's let's talk first, let's define the word pitching because it's kind of more of a business term than it is an art term. So <laughs> what the heck is it and how the F do you do it? Right. So there's lots and lots of different types of marketing. There's a reason marketing is its own degree. And I just have a link here down to Asana. Asana is a project management tool and they list all the different types of marketing. And it's a really fascinating uh, slide. But just to summarize, there's direct marketing and there's paid advertising and there's this and there's that. There's word of mouth. There's gorilla. There's right. There's like 10 different forms of marketing. And um, pitching is just a subcategory of a type of marketing, but it's one of the most effective. Pitching is essentially um, reaching out. It's networking in any of its forms, right? So let's define it real quick. Let's define what pitching is. So what does it mean? Uh, We're going to talk about four things real quick here to kind of get our feet so we're all on the same page. So what does it mean? Uh, What does pitching mean in business and public relations? PR is public relations. Why do I want to pitch my work and how? The big one, how, all right? Let's do actionable content. So one of the things I like to do in my presentations is try and really give you some actionable things that you can do on your own after the presentation. So that's hence the handout. The handout is actually more of a worksheet with blanks. Okay, so we can actually do that today, um, or you can take it with you. Okay, so 
if you look up the word pitch in the dictionary, it's actually one of these fabulous English words that has 101 meanings. I mean, it can mean to throw, it can mean to pitch back and forth on a boat, it can mean to pitch overboard on the boat when the storm gets really rough, it can mean um, to throw something out, to, to pitch it and start over. Like, there's 101 different definitions for pitch, even to set up an angle, right? Um, so what is pitching in this context? Well, pitching in the business world is actually when you try to persuade somebody to do something. And business people will actually talk about a pitch deck. So instead of like um, a PowerPoint, they call it a pitch deck. So when you have a PowerPoint presentation and you're asking somebody for money or to invest in your business or something like that, they'll call it a pitch deck. So they're pitching. All right. So, why pitch? Well, there's lots of reasons to pitch. Um, you can pitch to get coverage in editorial magazines. You can pitch to get um, contacts at manufacturers, right? And you can pitch to get uh, licenses with manufacturers or agents or whatever. So, um, Everybody wants to sell more products, right? Manufacturers want to sell more products. We want to sell more products. And so you look at it as a partnership. So are you guys all familiar with the term licensing? Yeah, yeah, good. Okay, so licensing, right? What is licensing? It's when you kind of rent the rights to your artwork to be used on a product. Well, the partnership is, is that the manufacturer is hoping that your artwork will help them increase sales. It's as simple as that, right? They want to sell more and they're hoping that the artwork you provide them with will appeal to the market more and help them increase sales. So everybody wants to be first. They want to be first in sales. They want to be first in the news. They want to be first with the latest, greatest product. They want to be first. Manufacturers want to be first. News editors want to be first. Public relations people, they all want to be first. So they want to be on trend. They want to offer the best artwork. They want to offer the best designs, the latest colors that are trending within the market, these types of things. And if you can keep this in mind, that manufacturers want to be on trend, they want to have the colors of the season, they want to have the themes of the season, they want to have the subjects and uh, the styles that are most popular for the upcoming season, not the old stuff, right? So if you can kind of keep that in mind and present your pitch with this type of information in it, if you can, you know, say these are the benefits for you as a manufacturer or product developer, you have more chance of getting your work accepted for licensing, right? So um, also they want to find new cool stories and new cool products nobody has seen yet. All right, so why pitch yourself? Well, to license your work, to get it on reviews, to um, if you get your work reviewed in magazines, you get more fans, you get more you know, publicity, that type of thing, right? So um, you can test new images and designs as well. So pitching when you get reviews gets you feedback as well. One of the great ways, a little side note, a little side tip here is when you pitch something, a great kind of self-effacing or humble thing you can do is you can actually say to an editor or a magazine or a blogger, you can pitch to bloggers, right, or micro-influencers. You could find these IG famous people, and that's a real trend in marketing right now is to make a list of these people that have a following on YouTube or Instagram, right, 5,000 or more, and you pitch them. You send them an email through direct message or email or however you can find a contact them, and you say, hey, I got this great new artwork, this new design that I think your customers, your market would really find beautiful. Would you like to see or receive a print for review? You can give it away in a competition. And, you know, if you like it, great. Review it. Give it away in a competition. If you don't, I totally get it. No problem as, as well. So you can kind of be really casual about it and send them a print or a product. 
and ask them to review it and say, hey, I want your honest feedback. If you love it, review it, give it a positive review. If you don't, that's, I want to hear that too. And just be really like transparent and open. And this is a whole marketing trend that um, people do. It's called influencer marketing, where you go to an influencer and you ask them to review your stuff. You send them something that's relevant to their audience and you ask them to review it and maybe even do a competition. So you can say to them, hey, I'll give your viewers a um, 10% off coupon if they buy from me. You can, you know, promote it when you review it at the end of your review. Or, oh, I'm going to give away a free print to your viewers for the um, first person that comes to my website and comments or something. Or you can let the influencer do the competition. They're, they're always doing challenges and competitions, right? Okay. So other reasons to pitch yourself, it establishes you as an expert on the topic. You want to kind of give them some criteria of why they should uh, listen to your pitch. It establishes your artwork is desirable and, of course, to sell more products. All right, so here's just real quick licensing basics. I think we've already talked about this a little bit, but it never hurts to make sure we're on the same age uh, page. Art licensing is basically where you say you can use my art on your product. And you need to be very careful with your licenses that you establish what products they can use it on where they can use it, what region, right? North America. That's it. How long they can use it. Two years is pretty standard, right? Or, and of course, um, royalty rates, right? How much you're going to get for that use of that artwork. Um, so if you're interested in that kind of thing, I have a lot more definitions. Chapter seven in this book uh, chapter six in this book is all definitions of licensing terms from actual contracts. So um, that that's a whole science. As uh, Seth said yesterday when he was talking about AI, did you guys go to that? Oh, good lecture. Um, not really a lecture, more of a panel discussion. But um, I, I thought that was a fascinating topic of AI. And he said, read, read, read the terms of use. And it's the same thing with contracts. Make sure you read your contracts. Really, really, really important for licensing. Um, because your artwork should still belong to you, right? Work for hire, you're selling the rights. So you don't want to do that. Um, you want to make sure that you retain the rights and you define where you use it, how long they can use it, what products they can use it on. Get very specific. All right. So why do you want to license your work? Obviously, so your art can make you more money, right? Um, it also increases your reputation and visibility when you can say to somebody, hey, my art's on a teapot. You know, that's kind of cool. And of course, because it's cool. It's really cool to see your art on designs, right? Okay, so here it is. Here's the meat of the uh, presentation is this is the process. I've laid it out step by step. It's also in your handout, which we'll talk about here in just a minute after I go over this. So. Number one, if you want to follow along in your handout, you can look, is to research who you're going to pitch, okay? So I've given you a space to write down who you want to uh, pitch, but basically you can go shopping. Go shopping. <laughs> I'm giving you permission to go shopping. Um, you go out, you pick up a product, you flip it over, look on the back, who made it? Who's the manufacturer? Is there contact information? There should normally be at least a website, right? Um, I use my phone. I go out shopping. I flip the thing over. I take a picture of the manufacturer and I put them all in a folder on my phone of manufacturers, right? Then you go home, look them up on the internet, scroll down to that bottom. Most of the contact information is always on the bottom. You know that bottom bar that, right? So you often find a contact link down there with, with um, information for contacting people. So once you do that, then you can send your first email and you want to confirm that you found the correct person. So inevitably, my very first email is very short, very sweet. And it's normally, if I've got a name of somebody from the website, say Susan or something, I'll say, hey, Susan, I found your, um, or I got your email as the person to contact for art licensing 
Are you the correct person? Are you the art buyer? Are you the director of licensing? You know, I'll ask them straight up. Are you the right person to talk to? One sentence, right? And then the second sentence is normally, if not, could you please forward me to the right person? Super simple. Okay. Um, I have included for you guys a link, a special private link just for you guys to the actual emails that I use to pit, to pitch art buyers for out of the blue licensing as, um, the art agent, the assistant art agent at out of the blue licensing. And, um, also some of the emails, it's a, it's too long of a, it was too long of a document to print because it's about 10 or 15 email sequences with different sign of alternatives. So you can get that whole link to that file as a Google document. So you can make a copy and then alter the emails to suit your purposes at theartistappeals.com forward slash pitch. Okay. So that'll link you right to that. Make a copy and then you can make changes to it. Okay. Uh, okay. So after you sent that initial, Hey, are you the right person? Then my favorite thing I sent this, you know, I said this last year was follow up, follow up, follow up. A lot of times you're not going to get a response to this initial email. And so what I do is I just kick that email back again. So I just send it again and I say, Hey, just following up. Are you the right person? Right? Week one, I do this for three to four weeks. I follow up normally three to four times. I seriously do. Because I can't tell you the number of times I've had somebody say, oh, yeah, I saw your email come through. I've just been so super busy. I'm totally sorry. I meant to get back to you. Thanks for reaching out again. They'll actually say thank you for following up. I mean, I don't like spam them. I wouldn't do it every day. But once a week is fine for about three to four weeks. And then after four weeks, I will try something else. Okay? So, um... Once you do get that person and, you know, 50% of the time I get a response from somebody that says, I'm not the right person, so-and-so is who you should contact, right? The other 50% of the time I get, yeah, I'm the right person. You want to send me something? So if they, you know, just say, hey, about maybe 5 to 10% of the time, not very often, I will get a very polite, we're not buying anything right now. We do it all in-house. Or we're full up and um, we have a, a specific date when we accept artwork. So probably 5 to 10% of the time I'll get, it's not really a rejection. A lot of times it's a rerouting. So I'll get somebody that will say, um, either we use in-house designers and I'll take them off my list, right? Or they'll say, we accept artwork on such and such a time period at such and such a date for these quarters. And I'll put it on my calendar so I'll note when to send to them. Or they'll say, oh, there's a submission form on our website. And they'll give me further a link to their website to look for directions or something like that. And that's only about 5 to 10% of the time. Most of the time they'll say, oh, hey, cool. Yeah, I'm the right person. And um, send me something. I'm always looking for good art. So that's always kind of encouraging. So when you get that... I do like to try and get a little bit more feedback. A lot of times, if I feel like they're going to be responding to me, I'll ask them what they need. I'll say, hey, what are you looking for? What colors are you looking for right now? What themes are you looking for? What styles are you looking for? I'll just ask them straight up, like, what are your best sellers? What are you looking for in the next quarter? Right? So you sound very professional when you say quarter. Because all these businesses talk in terms of quarters, right? So there's Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4, right? So you can ask them, what are you looking at? And most of these manufacturers work months out in advance. They work four to six or more months in advance. So they're normally looking for uh, next year, okay? So getting some idea of what colors they think are coming what themes they think are coming, what they want to see is very, very helpful. Then once I do that, I, um, I'm helping, as, as assistant art licensing manager, I use Lightroom to organize my catalog of artwork. 
I'm managing about 60,000 images right now. That's my images plus 40 other artists. I'd say for out of the blue, I'm probably managing 10 to 20,000 images from the other 40 artists. And um, so, uh, anybody here use Lightroom? I love Lightroom. It's fantastic, right? It's great software. Love it. If you're not using it, I highly recommend it. It's by Adobe. It was built by photographers for photographers, but it really works great for us artists too, especially if you have a big body of artwork. You take your photographs, you import them into Lightroom. It's a non-destructive editor, so it doesn't mess up your images when you make changes, but you can literally color correct, spot correct, rotate, crop, um, do all of pretty much, you can do all the basics of editing. Now, you can't do like Photoshop, you would still want to do background removal and stuff like that. Uh, but it works in conjunction with Photoshop, so you can open directly from Lightroom into Photoshop. And the great thing about Lightroom is it's fast. So I can look at 60,000 images quickly, and I can organize them into collections. And so what I'll do is I'll take the artwork and I pull it into a collection. I make a collection for this specific buyer. I look at their website, I look at what they told me they wanted, I look at what um, their best sellers are on their website. A lot of websites you can filter by most popular or best sellers, right? So I'll go and I'll look at what their best sellers are. And then I'll make a collection of anywhere between 30 to sometimes 150 images out of our catalog of artists for them to review. So I put it um, in a catalog, I put it in a collection in Lightroom, then I export it as a PDF. I just include the file name right below the image, so it's just a thumbnail with a uh, file name right below it. I export the whole thing as a PDF and I send it to them. And then they say, oh yeah, we want to license this, this, and this, and we want it for um, recent one of the, recently one of the contracts we did was for um, an artist, her work got picked up. And it was a coaster company. And we thought, oh, yeah, this isn't going to be a very profitable coaster. So, okay, that's fine, you know. But then they came back and they said, we want these four images and we want them from coasters, travel mugs, coffee mugs, teacups, uh, coasters. And they have some kind of car-like coaster thing. They, like, set it in the car mug. They wanted it for those. So they ended up wanting four different pieces of artwork for, um, I think it was ten products or something. And different products. So they were going to create a whole line. It was great. Do you want to get everything you need, all the information, all the tips, tricks, stories, all in one place so you can just focus on doing what you love, creating? Well, now you can. You can get an instant copy of the new book, The Artist Appeals, How to Make Money as an Artist in Seven Steps. That's right. Get the new book, the artist appeals plus three free bonuses at how to make money as an artist.com. So then we negotiate the contract, right? Um, we basically just follow up and say, okay, great. You want those images? Send us your standard contract or we'll send you ours. Most of the time they send us their contract. You read it, you review it, you make any alterations or any requests and away you go. So that's kind of the general overview of pitching and the process of art licensing for art licensing. And of course, once you get the contract signed, send them the artwork, right? Make sure you hit whatever deadline they need the artwork by and in whatever file formats, sizes, and types they need. So make sure to ask, how do you need this artwork? Do you need it as TIFF? Uh, what size? Like what file type? And what file format will you need it? So um, I do have a new coaching program where I can help with tech. If any of you guys are interested in that, um, I'm offering a discount for IX people. Whatever. So that is kind of my little um, extra that I'm offering you guys there. So you get the templates today and then uh, the worksheet will also help you walk through this, all that stuff. But if you feel like any of the tech like Lightroom or this process, like you want help with it, let me know. I'd be delighted to help. All right. So uh, breaking it down, we did most of this, but this just breaks it down a little bit more. Um, 
how to do some research. Well, I mentioned you can just go to the stores and go shopping, right? Take a picture of the products. Uh, you can also search online. There's a lot of manufacturers online. Uh, some of our big clients at Out of the Blue Art Licensing include World Art Group, High Creative, uh, the mother company of Cafe Press. So like my work is on Cafe Press. Oh, I know. The mother company is called Great Big Canvas, I believe. And it is the mother company to all the Cafe Presses worldwide. So there's Cafe Press France, Australia, Denmark, England, blah, blah, blah. So that company distributes to all of these printers. Essentially, um, we focus on out of the blue art licensing. We focus a lot on the wall art and home decor vertical. So we like our artwork to come in at 300 DPI, 60 inches on a long edge, tiffs with a TZW compression. It's ridiculous. Literally, we make our images so big that you could print them as a mural. And that's the way these companies want them so that they can do these big giant pieces. Now, I use a process in Photoshop. I use Scott Kelby's 110% um, enlargement rule. Have you guys ever used that one? So Scott Kelby is like, he's like this Photoshop He's the editor-in-chief of, like, Photoshop.com or something. He's got multiple books, like, probably, like, half a dozen or a dozen books on Photoshop. Um, I used to use them in the classroom to teach Photoshop. I love his books because he does these two- or three-page spreads where he'll show you how to whiten skin and take out all the wrinkles in two pages. How to whiten teeth in two pages, you know? And he does portrait retouching. He's really, really amazing. He's got a blog. He's got, anyways, he uses this 110% rule where you enlarge it by 110% and 110% and 110% until you reach the size you want. And he uses bicubic sharpener, which makes sure that your image goes up big. Anyways, I digress. I'm kind of getting into the tech. I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep me on track. Yeah. You um, got a question? Yeah, the URL that you posted, both pitching and pitch. Yeah. The artist appeals yeah. forward slash pitch. Pitch or pitching. Okay, I will. Uh, I will make sure after the um, the presentation to get it for you to make sure it's working. So it should go to a page with um, a computer, a laptop picture on it, and and then it should have a form. You just put in your email, and it should give you kick you right to the Google. Docs page. Okay. So, so the pop up. There's a pop up. Yeah, there's a picture of a computer and a phone, and then you just put. I made I I made it so that you would have to enter your email because I didn't want anybody just going and finding it. It's for you guys alone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. So, uh, was it pitch or was it pitching? It was pitch. Okay. So. My slide was wrong. It is pitch. Theartistappeals.com forward slash pitch. That will take you to the private Google Doc. Please, please, please make a copy of that file to your Google Drive because that is my actual working document that I use. So don't mess up my emails, please. Make yourself a copy and then feel free to manipulate them um, and massage them in whatever way you want. All right. So searching online is a great way to do research and, of course, attending conferences. I don't know if you guys go to any other conferences, but some of the business-to-business -business conferences that I attend, after the fact, they give you the contact information. They send you a Google spreadsheet of all the people that were at the conference. So when I go to Astra, which is the American Society of... Uh, A-S-T-R-A, um, American Society of specialty toy retailers, something like that. I'm sorry, I always forget what their exact acronym is. They send you a list afterwards of all the stores that came to Astra to buy toys, and they're nationwide. Um, toy Fest West, same thing, right? So the business-to-business -business conferences are great. Uh, one of the big art licensing conferences is Surtac. Another huge, huge one for the product industry 
Um, most of the designers that I know that are into art licensing, I'm part of several groups. I also go to a big, not a big one. This is a small one. There's a very small, intimate art licensing group called Art Biz Jam, where they connect you with manufacturers. Like it's maybe a group of 20 people. And the woman actually brings in manufacturers that present about what they want, what they're looking for, greeting card designers, uh, garden store uh, product designers, that type of thing. And then the big one, the big one is Atlanta Mart. Atlanta Mart is an 11-story mall in Atlanta. There are multiple shows a year. The two big ones are spring and winter, but they also have a fashion show. And a lot of the designers I know that are into art licensing go to that one. That's the biggie. And that's by invite only because it's um, it's uh, it's literally the manufacturer showing the products coming next year to the stores. And stores are placing orders for the inventory that they're going to carry next year. So you have to be a designer or be connected to a manufacturer. But there are ways to get invited to it. Okay, so... When you go to these conferences, when you shop in the stores, when you shop online, take note of the trends. Take a look at the colors, take a look at the themes, the subjects, and the styles. Write it down. You'll start to see trends. See if you can incorporate them a little into your artwork. You know, I know you guys are more into science fiction and fantasy and all this amazing realism that blows my mind. You guys are amazing. Um, but if you can incorporate little pieces of this, you know, if mice are trending or pink is trending, you know, that is always very helpful. And it doesn't have to be like completely what's, you know, exactly what you're seeing. What you need to do is just have a pop, just have a little reference, a little nod to what's coming. And that can really help. Okay. So, um, step two, research the company. We've kind of covered this quite a bit, but this breaks it down more. Do they license artwork? That's a question to ask. Do you license artwork? You can put that in your initial email. Hey, are you the right contact? Do you license artwork? Can I get the contact for your art director or licensing director or art buyer? Those are all terms that they use for art licensing buyers. Do they have a page on their site for how to contact them and submit? A lot of the greeting card companies have information right on their, their website. Not all do, but the greeting card industry is always looking for fresh new stuff. I mean, they produce massive, massive amounts of greeting cards every year. These greeting card companies are releasing new stuff, especially the biggies. So they need lots of work. Are there any specific deadlines and requests for themes? A great one is Leaning Tree. If you want to get into greeting cards, they have a whole calendar on their website. Um... I've created a spreadsheet that you guys are welcome to check out. It's called the Kellen the Art uh, spreadsheet. It's a calendar of all the conferences and all the deadlines for greeting cards and a lot of the deadlines for science fiction and fantasy conferences and stuff like that. Um, that's online at the Artist Appeals if you're interested in that kind of thing. You can build it yourself, of course, but I've done all the research and put it there because I wanted it. So I share the resources I want. <laughs> so anyways, uh, send them an email, ask them, ask them if they need anything in particular. Um, finally, that follow-up part. I mentioned follow-up, 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 right? Following up is so very important. It's here. Oh my God. You can get a printed version of the Artist Appeals on Amazon now. It looks so good. Oh, I'm so psyched. I like it in the paperback. The Artist Appeal, this is my first copy from Amazon.com. You can get your copy of The Artist Appeals, The Seven Steps for How to Make Money as an Artist, which summarizes some of the best stories, tips, tricks, lessons, quotes from the first two seasons of the podcast. Here it is, folks. I can't believe it. It's been a lot of work, guys. So there you have it. The printed version's out. Go get yours on Amazon. And here's some pro tips on how to do it. I find that when you're managing a lot of contacts, it's really easy to get overwhelmed. From going to these conferences, Toy Fest West, Astra, working with Out of the Blue Art Licensing, I ended up with a spreadsheet of probably 
I have probably 10 tabs from the different conferences and stuff. I have hundreds of contacts. It's ridiculous. And I really started to get overwhelmed. So people, you know, will try and color code. You can color code your, your spreadsheet. That's one way to do it. I used, for a long time, I was using color coding of like yellow, orange, and red, and green, and gray. So my spreadsheet was having like yellow was like somebody I needed to contact. Orange, I was in the process of contacting them. Red um, was like uh, we were talking. Gray was they said no or I'd strike them out. And then green was like somebody I was in negotiations with, right? So you could do it that way. That's kind of the old fashioned way to use a spreadsheet, use some color coding. Of course, you could just record these contacts in a notebook. That's another way to do it. I would put one on one page and then take notes about when you've contacted them right on that page, put their name, their contact information, the last time you contacted them and any sort of notes. So this is the type of thing you've got to keep track of because the more people you can pitch, the more likely that your work's going to get picked up somewhere, whether it be on an editor, for a blogger, for art licensing. Remember, these are all different options. This is not just specific to art licensing. So you can pitch editors, you can pitch bloggers, you can pitch art buyers, right? You could pitch collectors, right? Um, so, you know, you could keep a tickler in your calendar. So you can basically have on your phone, go in there and put a reminder to yourself, oh, I need to contact Henry again in one week. I need to contact them again in two weeks. Okay, I need to contact them again in three weeks, you know, but then your calendar starts getting pretty full. But that is another way you can do it. That's called a tickler. So you would put little tickler reminders in your phone. Um, as I mentioned, you can use a notebook or a spreadsheet. Um, two of the new tools that I'm using nowadays that I really like is Boomerang and Streak. I just recently started using Streak. A friend of mine who is in art licensing, she's great. She has a company called um, Two by Tandem is her, her company. She makes tea towels and products for celebration and for states. So her niche is that she loves to travel. She goes around in these states and she makes these bucket lists of things that you're supposed to do in the state and kind of doodles like little designs and stuff. Anyways, she does pretty well with it. She just had a collection of 30 pieces picked up by a manufacturer, and she pointed me towards Streak. She was like, I've started using Streak for Gmail, and it is really cool. I got to tell you, it is, um, have you guys heard of a pipeline? It's a pipeline. So it allows you to color code your emails and put them in different buckets, so you create this pipeline, right, that goes, and what's really fun is it's color-coded. So you can do like a gradient, you can do a rainbow, you can do whatever colors. So you can create your own pipeline that says contacting, talking to, sending materials to, contract negotiation, deal closed. And you can literally move that email and it takes the whole sequence of emails and the contact and puts them in each of these you can move it from category to category to category. And then you can see them all. So you can see, okay, I've got all these people that I'm contacting. I've got these people that I'm talking to. I got these people that I'm in negotiation with. And I got these people that I got to send work to. And these people that I'm closing the deal on, right? So it's fantastic. It's really cool. So if you want to know more about that, let me know. I didn't want to get into that because I didn't bring my laptop. I'm using theirs. And um, it is. it has a free, free version for Gmail integrates with Gmail. You just install it on Chrome. It's really cool. I love it. I think it's really cool. And there are lots of paid services like Go High Level is one that is like a paid content contact management system. And that those, those systems will actually incorporate things like text messaging and phone calls and track all that for your contacts as well but they are a subscription-based service. There is a paid version to Streak too as well, but I haven't found a reason to use it just yet. Free word versions working great. So pitch on trend work. You just create a PDF of the work you feel that matches the company's style and themes, what they might want. Look at their best sellers, as I mentioned before. Send it to them and make sure you follow up. 
So employ this follow-up strategy again of, you know, three weeks, four weeks. So you want to follow up. Hey, did you get the art? So I would follow up with, hey, did you get it? Make sure it didn't go in their spam, right? And then I would follow up again. Hey, what did you think? A lot of times they'll say, oh, we have a review coming up on such and such a date where we'll be reviewing all the artwork that we got. And so then you make a note of when that review is and you follow up again after the review. Hey, what did you think of the work? Do you um, like it? Do you need any alterations? Don't forget, we can do color correction, cropping, whatever you're willing to offer. So sometimes they'll come back to us and say, hey, we really liked these pieces. Could you just uh, color match them so that the colors are very, very similar? And you can do that in Photoshop or whatever. Um, so, you know, don't forget the follow-up. I actually don't think I put that on a slide, but I would really recommend that once you send work, follow up to make sure they got it. Follow up to make sure to find out when they're going to be reviewing it. If you can get a time or a day that they're going to be reviewing it. Follow up after the review. And don't forget to mention if you're willing or capable of making any changes to the work for them. Okay? And then step four, repeat. So here's a recap of that slide. I know sometimes uh, people like to have it all in one place. So you can see I put it in, in the beginning, all in one spot. Then we went into the details and here it is again. Um, so basically, do your research, look at bestsellers, find out what they want, uh, get the contact information. Feel free to grab my templates. Contact me if you have any problems getting those templates and I'll just send it to you. But I did want to password protect it because I didn't want everybody just getting my emails. Uh, follow up for three to four weeks. Um, and then once a month after that is, is good. You know, reaching out to them once a month, once a quarter, saying, hey, how you doing? Do you need any more work? Are you looking for artwork? Is there anything I can help you with? Keeps you top of mind and uh, is really, really beneficial because you create a relationship with them, right? Um, and then when they do need something, they're going to come back to you and go, oh, yeah, they were on task. They, they know what's up. Like, they're, they're consistent with reaching out to me. Oh, yeah, I remember her. We talked about whatever. We talked about horses or unicorns or butterflies or we talked about our kids or whatever, right? Uh, send a PDF. Uh, when they do say yes, ask for the contract. Don't be afraid to say, say, hey, can I get your contract? Do you have one? If you don't. You know, you can send over a default one. There are some default contracts out there. Um, having a contract on hand that you're happy with is a great thing to have in the hopper. And uh, make any revisions and then send them the file format and size that they need. All right, that's it. All done. So if you guys have any questions for me, let me know. Q&A time. Any questions? We've got about 10 minutes, I think. Yeah. I haven't seen but um, oh, yeah. I'm wondering, um, maybe I'm being too pedantic with this question as well, but um, why would you not ask the, uh, why would you not ask the, the person on the other end of the email what it is they want on the first email instead of doing a contact? I guess you could. I normally, so in this flow, in this workflow, I'm not always sure of the contact, right? You've done your research, but you've just got a generic email. So most of the time, in this case, what I'm talking about is you've flipped the product over, you've gone to the website, and you've probably found a generic email that says info at, or you may have found Susie at this company. Yeah, it could be a form. Even with, um, so for Michael and out of the blue, when I was uh, first starting out there, he sent me his email list of contacts that he had. And he was like, these are really old. You're going to need to reach out and make sure that they're right contact because a lot of these art buyers get changed over. So um, particularly in the really big companies, so in, uh, for example, Michaels or AC Moore and them, they actually move their art buyers around between different uh, departments. So I learned this when I was working with a company on iConnect Crafts. Um, apparently what happens is they have art buyers for specific sections of the big box stores. 
So they have an art buyer for the scrapbooking section. They have an art buyer for the art material section. They have an art buyer for the fabric section, for the flower section, right? So they have these different art buyers that are trying to find products for their section of the store. And then they move them every six months to a year. So these art buyers and art directors and licensing agents, they get moved around. So your contact may go out of, out of a, a it, it may be cold or stale or they may move. So that's why I normally start with a, hey, are you the right person? Is because oftentimes the contact information that I have is either generic or old. Now, if you've already, if you know you got the right person, then yeah, I'd say start with, you need anything. What are you looking for? You got any products you're developing that you need artwork for? I would just straight up ask them, hey, what are you guys working on this quarter? What products are you developing? What colors are you seeing? What do you need? And they'll tell you, we're trying to fill this hole. Um, so like at Art Biz Jam, for example, uh, they had a great speaker on Jan. I can't remember her last name, but she was talking about, so she works for a company that designs um, garden products like flags and pots and those those uh, pillars that, you know, you see in the garden and they're all painted crazy-like and they have like signs on them or whatever. They, they make all sorts of garden stuff, um, outdoor floor mats, indoor floor mats, um, that type of thing. And they license a lot of work. And she was saying that they had flags, that they had a new size of flag like a horizontal welcome flag that was two-sided. And she was like, oh, yeah, we've already filled all of our artwork for our doormats, but we need this long vertical artwork for these double-sided flags. So we're looking to find artwork. We would like, love submissions of artwork that's vertical, that can be on these big flags, and it's coordinated front and back, but different. So she'll, they'll tell you. Oh, we've already filled this whole category, but this category we need work for. Cool. Any other questions? Yeah. Do you have any uh, advice or any uh, particular licensing niches that would work well for fine art? Because I see a lot of a lot of licensing projects where you're looking for patterns or very very more simple designs. When you see the art in the shows, in yeah. the show here. Like, what kinds of candidates are, are good fits for that? That's a great question, because I always thought before I got into this that licensing fine art was not really doable, right? But it is, because I'll tell you what, I'm a fine artist in that I create a lot of abstract stuff. So when I first started working with Michael, or before I started working with Michael, I did this three-year challenge where I'd had kids, I was having trouble getting work created, you know, the style of work that I was doing like this, that's really, really layered and intense and, you know, uh, lots of layers and doodles and whatever I couldn't do. So I started doing Enso, uh, a circle in one breath. And I just challenged myself to make one every day. And so they got more complicated and I started using watercolor and glittery paints and pens and different substrates and different mediums. And I ended up with a body of work of about 900 of these circles because it turned into three years. <laughs> it was very meditative, very relaxing. If you guys haven't tried Enso painting, it's fabulously fun and so simple. And it gets you in a flow state so quick. You just take a paintbrush, try and paint a paint. A circle all in one stroke, breathe in as you go up to 12 o'clock, breathe out as you get down to six. So I didn't think anybody would want these things, right? They're, they're a circle. It drips and splatters and glitter and, and anyways. Um, we ended up licensing them to World Art Group, High Creative, uh, Great Big Canvas. Uh, who else is my work licensed to? I've got a, a folder at home that when I get a new license, I print it out and I put it in the folder. Because you want to make sure that whatever you're licensing, you don't license to the same uh, the same type of manufacturer making the same products. And so, yeah, these are candidates. Some of these big online publishers and printers have become candidates for fine art prints. So they, uh, for example, High Creative, I think it is, 
sells to the hospitality market. So they sell to like hotels and hospitals. And they want big, calming, abstract, fine art type of stuff. Um, a lot There's a lot of online publishers that publish work on canvas and metal and whatever, right? Kind of like the print-on-demand uh, companies that we see. But they also do this for businesses or they do it to direct to retail. And then you don't have to manage the website. You don't have to go in and upload your work and order it yourself. And they just take care of it. So there is markets for that. So I would look at um, World Art Group, Pi Creative. Um, if you email me, I can get you more of the list of, of ones that we look at for fine artists. Uh, there's one oopsie daisy. I have a contact with her. She was on the, the show. Gosh, what episode was that? So on the podcast, there was a woman, she started a company. They now have four companies. So it's one big company and then they have four websites underneath. So one of the websites is for toddlers decor. I think it's called oopsie daisy is that brand, right? That website is called Oopsie Daisy. Then they've got one called, I think it's Green Box. So this is all the same company that's owned four websites. So they've divided it into target markets. So one website specifically is like newborns to toddlers. The next website is like for um, kids probably ages five to like 14. And then they have one for adults. And then they have a fourth one. And I forget what the target market is for that. But it's all home decor. So it's all like the adult stuff is more abstract and more fine arty. The, uh, the tween website is still fine art, but it has brighter colors or sometimes has more animals in it, more whimsy, more whimsical. So, yeah, there's lots of websites that, um, and companies that do produce artwork and uh, license fine art. In fact, oh, I don't have it on me. I have a mug. This giant water mug in my car. It has all those. Um, have you seen the new trend, you guys, with the uh, alcohol inks? Where they're just, it's, it's just blue alcohol ink all over it. It's beautiful. And they're licensing that kind of stuff for mugs. And it's just fine art. It's just abstract, fine art, uh, whatever. I think you guys are actually better off with uh, the fact that you guys can do subjects and you can do both fine art and stuff with, with themes. You have a lot of options, a lot of options. Other questions? Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. If you have another question. Um, sure. So uh, I've recently gotten some inquiries on licensing my art for specific things. So, like, I got a, uh, awesome. a, a beer label. I had no idea what to charge. And so, is there a place to research to see what kind of standard rates would be? I, yes. I have no idea. Yes, there is. Totally. Um, so, there is a handbook of pricing for graphic designers, which has some licensing stuff in it. It's literally a book that's been around for years, and they update all the time. It's called the Pricing Guide for Graphic Designers, I think. There might even be one for illustrators, too. Graphic Artists Guild Handbook. Yes, thank you. Graphic Artist Guild Handbook. So that's like the standard manual. Now, I find their rates in there to be a little high sometimes, depending on your region. There are also a lot of great Facebook groups. Um, there's actually a Facebook group about uh, art licensing royalty rates for artists, where people will just come in and they'll be like, I got this contract. They want to license my work for this. What do you guys think? And a bunch of people chime in and say, this is what I normally get for this product category. Um, don't take less than this. Other people will say, you know, hey, I sell outright or I don't sell outright. So there is some companies buy artwork outright. Like um, uh, Patricia Linus was on the website or on the podcast. And she owns a company out of California, and they produce a 1,000 SKUs a year. It's a female, woman-based company. She's a designer. Her background was in designing sweaters, <laughs> which is kind of cool. She used to lay out the sweater patterns 
that the machines would knit. Anyway, she started her own company and um, she, they buy and they don't license because for her, it's too complicated. Their company is too small. So they're like a dozen women. They produce a thousand different products a year. They design a thousand products and then sell them out to stores or whatever. Um, but they find that they just prefer to buy outright. And so some artists are okay with that, some aren't. So I would join some of the Facebook groups for the latest feedback and I would pick up that handbook and I'd start there and then I'd ask is how I built. Yeah, I actually have that handbook and I also I found it not very helpful because it yeah. seemed higher than when I could get a rate from someone. Right. They would say it was just way out of commission. Out right. Of, out of the Right. And that's why I recommend using a combination of both the handbook and the online and other people's experience, because it's going to depend on category. So it's going to be depend on what the product is itself. It's going to depend on the volume they expect to move of that product. So if they expect to move a lot of product, they're going to pay you a smaller royalty rate, right? Because you get more for more product and if they expect that it's a product that has a higher price point and they're not going to move as much of it, they'll pay you a higher royalty rate. So a higher royalty rate versus a smaller royalty rate isn't necessarily good or bad. What is more important is how much do they expect to sell of it, right? Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So I would definitely just join some of the groups and ask for feedback. Um, I always... I love to just ask Michael. He's got four years of experience. So I go to him or I go to my attorney and ask um, if I'm negotiating a contract where he's not involved. I'll ask my attorney. She's got a lot of experience. I'll look in those groups and do some research. So that's how I kind of do that. But I'm sorry to say I have assistance. I have resources that I can go and ask. So but the Facebook groups are great resources. Are there any specific ones that you... Uh, yeah, email me and I will pull up on my Facebook feed because I'm in several of them and I'll tell you which ones I'm in. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, of course. No problem. All right. We're almost about of time. It's one on the dot, but any more questions? Good, good. Oh, okay. Since we're here, it looks fun. I think that the majority of people who are at the news here, I think if they're our main use for a pitch, right, is to hopefully talk to uh, an art director or someone with the uh, sole authority that can uh, basically move their career forward. Can you comment a little on um, on what is different about that that exchange versus other exchanges, or are there fundamentals that, that people miss um, in in doing that? Okay. I think you've got a couple of questions layered in there. Let me see if I can address them. So I don't think personally that there's much difference in this basic sequence that I gave you for pitching an art buyer of a cover for a book or a magazine in this industry, as, as I really don't think there's that much difference. I've tried to give you a very evergreen overview. Um, I think the difference would maybe lie in that when you're at a conference like this, you can make those personal connections. And so you don't have to go through uh, the, the shopping research. Um, I did mention in the slide that a lot of times you can go to conferences. And this is the better way to find the contacts. It really is. If you met somebody in person like last night, you've given them pizza or, you know, and then you can, that changes the initial emails for me. So when I've met somebody, I try and follow up quickly within the first like week of getting back. And I will reference in my email right away where we met. And I'll try and mention something that we talked about. So one of the things I do to help me remember is I will get their business card, right? And then um, after I've got a couple of business cards or as soon as I can, I carry a permanent pen with me and I'll write on their business cards, some little trigger for me, um, invited to the podcast. That's one of the things that I write on my business cards is when I come here, I invite different guests to be on the podcast and I'll write right away invited to be on podcast. 
or I'll write um, uh, art buyer for such and such, or, you know, just some has kids talked about having two boys, some sort of personal connection. So if you meet somebody at a conference, I highly recommend taking a note of what the personal connection is. Then I'll email them as soon as possible. In fact, I actually emailed a couple of people that I invited to be on the podcast. Just uh, like I go back to my room and I email them right away. I'm like, hey, and I start that process and I put them right in to streak so that I've already got them in my funnel, right? Um, so that personal connection, so I would, A, I would, in the subject line, I'd say, hey, we met at a LuxCon. It was great talking about our kids. It was great eating pizza with you. Oh, or, you know, drinking bourbon or whatever, <laughs> right? And then right in the beginning of the email, I would kind of repeat that. I'd say, hey, it was so awesome hanging out with you after a LuxCon. I really enjoyed the um, conversation we had about A, B, and C. And then I would say, I just wanted to, um, whatever you want to kind of pitch to them, I would throw it out there almost right away. I wouldn't like... Unless, unless you guys talked about it, if you already talked about it and said, hey, and they said send me something, then I, I might even send them something on the first email. But unless you, if you didn't talk about sending them something during your conversation, then probably my first email would be like, hey, can I send you something? What are you looking for? Right? I would try and get a feel for them. If I had talked to them about sending something, then I would just do it send them whatever we talked about sending them. So I think that's the difference with conferences is those personal connections are worth so much more. Um, they call that in pitching, they call that a cold lead versus a warm lead or a hot lead. So a hot lead or a warm lead is somebody you've met in person, you've made a contact with, you know you've got the right person, you've got some kind of connection. A cold lead is when you have to research them, when you have to go shopping or or, you know, try and find that, that contact. So really, you're just kind of removing that first step. Um, let me see if there was a second part to your question. What was the second part to your question? Call to action, or um, actually, I'll, I'll change it. Um, frequently, people will, will meet each other just, just very fleetingly. And, yeah. And they, and they, oh, 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 Aaron, I see you're, you're going into the elevator. Uh, you know, I have that, that, that very brief, yeah. Two or three seconds where, where I can, I can make a difference. Yeah. So what is, what, how would you use that for a second? Ooh, good question. This is the tricky one. I would use a little bit of humor in my email. Um, there's a great email sequence that I had found from a guy that talks a lot about humor in emails. And I'm gonna try and remember his name. If you email me afterwards, I will get you his name. But he has an email sequence that he uses for cold people, but it's funny. So he'll send them a funny picture. Um, for example, he actually, now he's like a marketing director, but he will pitch these companies that he wants to create marketing materials for them by basically writing them and saying, here's a cat in a top hat. Please excuse the blatant cold email, but I'm so funny, blah, 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 blah. Like, he doesn't say I'm so funny, but he, the, the email, the bulk of the email is just ridiculous and out of the blue, and he basically calls out the elephant in the room. Right. He's acknowledging that it's kind of awkward. Yes. So he just addresses that elephant in the room right away, and I think it's fantastic. So I think you could do the same thing here, where you could say, hey, we met for three seconds in the elevator at a LuxCon. I liked your shoes <laughs> or something, you know, please excuse this blatant cold email, but I wanted to connect with you. Is there anything I can, uh, you know, is there anything you need? And always asking them, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Always make it about the other person. That's the big thing in like pitching and email and marketing is you always want to try and put yourself in the other person's shoes and find out what they need. Like, yeah, we need something, and there's nothing wrong with that. But always try and reframe it and think to yourself, what do they need? Because if you can find out what they need, then it's not so intrusive. You're helping them, right? What do you need? What are you looking for? What do you need? 
Um, so just flip it around and ask yourself, what do they need? And I would go ahead and address the elephant in the room. Hey, we met for 30 seconds at the coffee bar. I wanted to talk to you more, but we were both running out the door. You know? Um, and you can do something humorous. You know, you can send them some crazy little piece of artwork or design as well. Hey, you might have, you stopped by my booth and you mentioned you liked this. So if they maybe stop by your booth and somebody says, oh, I love this piece, maybe take a note and then you could email them and say, hey, I'm sorry we didn't get to talk more. It was crazy at a LuxCon. So now you're referencing, you're making a connection. You're saying, this is where we met. And then you say, hey, and you're trying to jog their memory. You said you liked this piece. And so a lot of people are very visual. Well, we're all very visual, right? I remember people's artwork better than I remember their names. Like, if you show me a piece of your artwork, I'll probably remember the artwork rather than your name. I'll be like, oh, yeah, that piece. So that's how I'd approach it. Cool. Cool. I know we only have two hours, but I'd like to talk to you a little bit more later. Yeah. Sure. Of course. Of course. I think we have a next one uh, coming up, don't we? Oh, my God. They gave me two hours? <laughs> well, I don't need it, but if you guys would like to stay around and ask me questions or fill out your worksheet, you're welcome to. The worksheet is a basically this, right? Um, so it has spaces to do some research, to fill out research. Yeah. It's the artist appeals. Yeah, everything's synced up. So the book is the artist appeals. The podcast is the artist appeals. Um, Pretty much everything is the artist appeals so that it's, it makes sense. Consistent branding. <laughs> cool. Feel free to stick around, guys. I can answer any questions about the worksheet. If you'd like to fill it out, you're welcome to. If you want to come up and chat and meet personally, love to as well. Thanks for coming. Of course. Hey, thanks for joining us in this week's episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, please share it. And be sure to follow us on your favorite platform so you never miss out on an episode. All right, I'll see you next week. Later.